0: Well, I'm really excited to be kicking off uh, this series today. If you're brand new with us, you picked a great Sunday to join us um, as we uh, start uh, this conversation around Better Broke in the next few weeks, really a series. If you're new to church or new to our church, a series is just when we pick out a topic and we talk about it uh, for a couple of weeks at a time and also looking to see what God has to say about it as well. And uh, where this series kind of originated from or kind of the central idea of this series is this reality that in life, um, things are constantly breaking. Have you noticed this before? Like it just, I don't know if this is a law of physics, a law of mechanics, a, a law of humanity or what, but it just seems like stuff just constantly, as you go through life, things are constantly breaking. Has anyone had something break this week? Like just, yep, yeah, you can raise your hand to that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're dealing with something. I'm dealing with something as, as well. I'll tell you about it in just a few minutes. But because of this, because things are constantly breaking throughout life, we are constantly fixing things. Um, odds are you've either just fixed something or you're currently in some sort of project. You've got something going on uh, either at home or at work or somewhere in your life, um, or something is about to break and it's gonna require your attention. Uh, There's a bunch of things that fall into this category of things that we're fixing. The first and, and probably the most common for a lot of folks in the room is your house. Um, this is probably the easiest example. It's, it's interesting as I was thinking about this, I'm like, wait a second, <clears throat> you get to pay taxes and a mortgage for the privilege of keeping, with the never, keeping up with the never ending maintenance of a home. That's really what home ownership is all about. And uh, currently you can pay twice as much as a home is worth in order to keep up with the never ending maintenance. That sounds like a great deal, doesn't it? Sign me up. Um, Sometimes it's the small things uh, at the house that'll get you. Um, One thing for me is we we have this cabinet that holds our trash cans. And about three years ago, the cabinet started like wiggling, like instead of like when you'd go to, pull the cabinet out, it would just wiggle. It wouldn't actually come out. And so um, I, I kind of diagnosed the, pro, uh, the problem and realized that it was one of the wing nuts that was holding the thing together that wasn't working. And so I'd, you know, every time it'd start to, to wiggle, I'd have to go down there, tighten it up. And at first I only had to do it about once a month. And then it became a once a week thing. And then it became a, a once a day or a multiple times a day where every time you'd open it, it would just loosen the screw. And finally, about three months ago, I discovered a lock washer at Home Depot Um, That's a thing, and uh, apparently it works really well because I used the lock washer and the problem solved. Funny enough, I'm not making this up. I know a lot of times preachers, like they'll tell stories and they're kind of making things up. I'm not making this up. This past week, it started to wiggle again, and literally last night had to bust out the uh, screwdriver and tighten the thing up again. So sometimes it's the small things. Um, Other times it can be maybe a little bit larger. A couple summers ago, Kelly was out of town. Um, She and the boys were out of town. It was just me at the house. And uh, I was, they kind of shut everything down. And I don't know what, why this is, but when I'm used to being in a house with a lot of noise and uh, when everybody else is gone, every noise that I hear, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, somebody's breaking in. I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, I just immediately go to worst case scenario. But um, I lay down and I was like, I think I hear the shower running. And I'm like, I, don't, I didn't leave the shower running. The shower shouldn't be on. And so I get up and I walk into our, our bathroom and I kind of look at the shower. Shower's totally off. But yet I still heard the sound of running water. I'm like, this is not good. And it was coming from the direction of our closet. And sure enough, I walk in our closet and in our closet, we have this square cutout that we use to, you, know, you can use to get up into that portion of the attic. And literally the square is just nothing but flowing water, uh, like a waterfall on four sides. Um, and if I wasn't in like panic mode, I could have like stood in between the four sides. It would have been like a really cool experience of having water all around me. but. Um, I decided that probably wasn't the best thing to do. So um, I immediately I, I immediately knew what happened. Our, the way our roof works, it just will collect leaves. And eventually when those leaves bunch up enough, when it rains really hard, it backs up through the shingles and begins to just pour through our house just like it was doing that night. So I had to get outside uh, on a ladder in the middle of the pouring down rain. I didn't have my contacts in. So I put my glasses on. Well, of course that's no good because the rain is just like coming down the, I couldn't see anything, you know? So I'm, I'm literally in a pair of gym shorts, no shoes on, on top of a ladder in the pouring down rain. And I'm like, if I fall off this ladder, it's raining so hard, the neighbors, nobody's gonna be able to hear me. Like this, this may be the end. But anyways, I, hey, spoiler alert, I survived. <laughs> I did survive, but. So anyways, I'm sure you got stories about your house. Big stuff, small stuff. It's not just house. There's some other things on the list as well. Your car, your car is constantly breaking down. We had a flat tire this past week, had to deal with that. Uh, My brother-in-law's here today. He was a big help in that. Thank you very much, Lance. That was huge. So your car is constantly breaking down. Technology, that's another one. Um, Has anybody been on on the phone with customer support this week? Anybody? (laughs) Let me just guess, I just want one guess. Let me guess what they told you to do. Turn it off and turn it back on. Isn't it amazing these people get paid to do that? Like that's literally always their advice. It's like, just unplug it, plug it back in or turn it off, turn it back, you know, turn it off, turn it back on and then it just magically solves the problem. I don't know what the deal is with that but that's just a reality of life, Maybe you had some sort of thing that you needed to fix, but then you followed the link on, uh, on your email and it took you to the website and you said, well, I, I don't know what my login is. So there's no way I'm going to be able to fix that. Um, that happens to all of us. It's not just physical, though. It's also, uh, it's also other things. Relationships. Relationships are, are things that we're constantly working on. Uh, they aren't stationary. They aren't steady. We don't just get to a good spot and say, hey, we're done. They don't need any more work. Um, And if you've been married for longer than about 15 minutes, you know that this is true. Uh, My wife and I hit uh, 15 years of marriage this past week. And uh, thank you. Yes, thank you. And I would encourage you, don't don't use the term fix with your marriage. That's that's like probably not a great word. But, you know, the reality is, is, as we uh, had lunch and celebrated on Thursday, it's like, hey, you, you know, you never stop working on it. You never stop building it. You never stop trying to make it better. If you do, it will ultimately break down. And that's true of just about any relationship that we have. Something else that we're constantly fixing is ourselves. We need work, don't we? I mean, we break sometimes. And sometimes the fixing of ourselves is kind of a total overhaul. It's a a major ordeal, but sometimes it's just minor tweaks. Um, For me personally, uh, uh, I uh, turned 40 today. Um, And uh, thank you for that. I I don't say that for the cheers. I say that to say I am am feeling 40 about the last six months. Um, uh, Chronic random lower back pain is what I like to call it. I don't know what the doctors call it, but just randomly waking up and having my back really tight and trying to run around with the kids and realizing, oh, I'm not 20 anymore. Things don't work like they used to. But all of us, we we are constantly fixing, constantly fixing ourselves. We're constantly fixing our homes, our careers, our relationships. We're constantly fixing things so much so that we really become experts at it. We can almost do it in our sleeps. But there are some things, there are some things in life we don't need to fix. And I'm going to put a list up here. The list is not all encompassing, but these are just a few of the things in life that we don't need to fix. Jealousy, bitterness, insecurity, selfishness. These things uh, appear in our lives and they kind of can come and go. And uh, maybe as we grow older in life and we get more mature, some of these things fade into the distance. We no longer struggle with them. They're no longer a part of our lives, but Um, maybe we worked on them in some specific season of life where someone reflected something back to us or uh, one of these things cost us something in life and we became aware of it. And we said, okay, I've got to change. And we do the hard work and and we, we get rid of these things in our lives and we think, hey, I'm good to go. But then as we continue in life, that thing is no longer front and center. And without knowing it, we, can begin to put these things back together. It's, it's as if when it's no longer front and center in our lives that, that we can, without knowing it, begin to patch our jealousy back together. We begin to super glue our bitterness back together. We, we get out the duct tape and we start to duct tape our fear. And all of a sudden we bump into it again. And we're like, wait a second, I thought I dealt with this Five years ago, I thought I dealt with this 10 years ago. I thought this thing would be gone. And the reality is our our expertise in fixing things really isn't even needed with these things, is it? I mean, we can bring these things back into our lives without even trying. We We can crank up a bad habit again without even really putting any effort towards it. And when we do, When we fix these things, we end up undermining our life. We end up undermining the things that we care most about. You see these things, these things are better broken. And we are better when they're broken. And if you're not a Christian here today, you're not a follower of Jesus, not a faith person, you're just coming to check us out again. We love, love, love that you're here. We built this place with you in mind in so many ways. Um, and this series will be practical for you. It will be helpful for you. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is not just a self-help thing. This isn't just about making our lives better or trying to live the best life possible. You see, the invitation to follow Jesus is also an invitation to break some things. The invitation to follow Jesus oftentimes will lead us, he will lead us to break these things in our lives and to keep them broken, broken, to keep from fixing them, to keep them from rearing their head in our life again. So in this series, we're gonna break some things. And I thought week one, we would just have a little bit of fun breaking some things. Um, so, This would be the splash zone, people. You may wanna go ahead and put on your uh, ponchos, safety goggles. Is anybody nervous? I actually have not tried this yet, but um, the team said it would work. So I'm I'm going with them, I'm trusting them. So yeah, in in this series, we're we're gonna break some stuff. And I don't know specifically for you what needs broken, But, you know, I'm sure you could imagine something, right? And, you know, this thing in life has crept back in and we, we know that we're actually better broken. You got your goggles on, guys? Sorry. Make sure you're ready. Okay. Here we go. Should we do a drum roll or something? Yeah, I think that's good. Here we go. Well, missed the the lemon, (laughs) but I got the bucket. Oh, look at this. Hey, this is Orlando, everybody. Thank you, Orlando. I appreciate that. Is this a different brand or uh, (laughs) something? We may have the same problem. Maybe I should swing a little bit. Less hard. What do y'all think? Oh, that was lovely. Okay. Lovely. Okay. So we, then you got, okay, the lemon, then you got something a little bit larger. What's something maybe in life that, that you think or you know is better broken? So you can just shout it out. What's something that's better broken? Don't say your husband, please. What was that? Bad habits. There we go. Anybody ever had a bad habit? Bad habit right here. let's smash it. Lovely, lovely. Maybe a bigger bad habit there. That' was pretty durable. Here we go. This one right here. I don't know I don't know what it represents for you, but I'm going to do this. I think we can do one more. What do y'all think? I think we can do one more. Yeah, we got something a little bit bigger that we can do, maybe. Orlando, thank you. And this one did. This one held up. So much better. There we go. You guys ready? Here we go. Should should we check the insurance policy before I smash this thing? Here we go. Here we go. There we go. So again, sometimes in life, these things, I'm covered in this stuff. This is awesome. Again, we, I told you, I told you, we had not tried it beforehand. So again, in life, these things creep back into our lives without us even knowing it. Have you ever been in a spot where you you bump into some sort of character flaw, some sort of um, sin, some sort of part of, 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 of your character that you don't really like. And you're like, wait a second, didn't I already work on this? Haven't I, haven't I faced this before? And, and didn't several years ago, I, I worked with a counselor, I worked with a coach and they kind of helped me work this thing out. And then all of a sudden it's there again in your life. It's because of this principle that we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks that again, we can fix these things without even knowing it. And today, today I wanna talk specifically about pride. Now, the reason why I want to talk about pride today, start with pride, is, is for a couple different reasons. Um, first, just a question for everybody. Um, how many of you never struggle with pride? Just raise your hand. You never struggle with pride? Very good. You guys are good. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, if you raise your hand to that question, you're what? You're prideful, right? So all of us in here, we're, we're on the same page, right? That, and that's, so that's the reason why, that's one reason why I want to start with pride today. But the second... In fact, uh, this is funny. When, when I was in college, I had a guy that uh, used to always say, I'm the humblest guy I know, and I'm proud to tell you. That's what he'd tell people. Anyways, uh, pride also, the, the, the reason why we're starting with this today is because in a lot of ways, it is the keystone flaw. It's the keystone sin. It's the, it's the sin or the flaw that leads to all of the others, And C.S. Lewis talked about this in his book, Mere Christianity. He uh, uh, talks about this list of of all these different flaws that we can have, all these different sins that we can battle. And he says that compared compared to pride, all the other vices, all the other flaws are mere flea bites. And he says that pride leads to every other vice. So if that's the case, if that's the case, maybe while we keep pride broken in our lives, uh, it may lead to many of these other things and things that aren't even on this list that are better broken staying that way in our lives. Now, you may be thinking, um, once I bring up the topic of pride, you kind of maybe can guess the direction that I'm going. It's like, okay, talk on pride. We're gonna talk about humility. You know, the message is just be more humble. And the reality is that's a great message. And, and certainly it wouldn't hurt if all of us in here could operate with more humility. But today I'm going to challenge that paradigm, that humility is the opposite of, or the antidote to pride. Humility is not the antidote to pride. That if we just lower our view of ourselves, that doesn't necessarily remove pride in our lives. Think about it this way. Let's say this is uh, the, 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 the view I have of myself. And I've, I've, I've done a really good job to lower the view of myself, yet when I look at others, I still see them as even lower. We would call that pride. We would call that a prideful person. Same thing is true uh, opposite. Uh, If let's say you have a really high view of yourself, someone's got a really high view of themselves, yet they see others in an even greater light, we wouldn't necessarily call this person prideful, would we? We might call them self-assured. We might call them confident, but we're not gonna call them arrogant. We're not gonna call them prideful. It's the comparison that really makes the difference. C.S. Lewis talked about this in, in Mere Christianity. I'm gonna put this quote up here. He, he says that we say, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better, better looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It's the comparison. It's the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. So what he's saying is even if we lower our view of ourselves all the way down, but yet we still see others, In a lower light, we see ourselves as better than, smarter than, stronger than. Pride is not broken. So sprinkling a little bit of humility in doesn't necessarily remove pride. If that doesn't work, what does? If that doesn't work, how do we break pride in our lives and keep from fixing pride in our lives? And today we're gonna look at a passage in the New Testament that speaks directly to this. It takes the issue of pride head on. And it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, it's called Philippians. And if you're new to church, uh, the Apostle Paul was um, an enemy of Christians. He hated Christians and then he became a Christian. He had an experience with Jesus that changed his life and he ended up becoming the leader of the first century church. And he would write letters to these different churches that he visited, encouraging them. And he'd go back and forth with them, helping them live out this life following Jesus. And the letter of Philippians is an interesting one. Paul is actually in prison and somehow the Philippians have written him and have um, communicated some sort of discouragement around the fact that Paul is in chains, that he's in prison. And we can kind of guess that from the context because Paul starts his letter telling them, hey, it's actually a good thing. God is actually using my chains. He's using the fact that I'm in prison to do some really marvelous things. As he describes some of the ways that his imprisonment is benefiting him, benefiting the gospel, he ends up saying this to them. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, for his audience back then, this was only a couple decades after Jesus' ministry. And the church was growing based on his teaching. And many of these people knew him. Or they knew people that knew him. Literally, they knew his life. And so when Paul said, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, they would have immediately thought of Jesus' teaching the life that they saw, the life that they experienced. And for us today, for us today, this is still the bullseye. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And I love that Paul put whatever happens up here because this is really, really important because isn't it true that when when things are going fine, we have a much easier time conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, when everything's lining up, when everything's up and to the right, when everything's moving, moving smoothly in life, we don't have a problem doing this. It's when the whatever happens, right? It's when the whatever hits us that all of a sudden this becomes a challenge. And Paul was living that out first person as he was in prison. And specifically, how this plays out with pride is: it's easy to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ, when people agree with us, when they're on the same page as us, when we know them, when we like them, but when whatever happens and the person is on the other side of the page, we're in disagreement with them, we don't like the way they've treated us or someone that we love, or they look different than us, they've, they've, they've lived differently than us, all of a sudden, pride can become an issue. Pride's often not an issue with the people closest to us and the people that we really genuinely love. Pride becomes an issue when someone's on the other side of the page. So back to Paul, he he tells them, hey, whatever happens. And then over the next few verses, he actually describes the whatever that is going to happen to them, the ways they're going to suffer. And he says, hey, don't be surprised when you suffer because remember Jesus, your savior, the one that you follow, he suffered as well. And you're gonna suffer. And when you do, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then after he describes to them what, he's, what they're going to experience, he says this. He says, therefore, in light of all that you're going to experience, all that you're going to face, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, you fo- your followers of Jesus, have you experienced any encouragement from God? any encouragement from Jesus as you you followed him, any comfort from his love? Have you ever been comforted by your relationship with Jesus? If any common sharing in the spirit, he goes on. Meaning, hey, if you've been connected, has there been a community created with other folks in your lives? Any tenderness and compassion? Essentially what Paul is doing here is he's kind of calling all Jesus followers. He's trying to hit every category. It's like, hey, if you followed him for more than just a few minutes, you've experienced one of these things. You've experienced encouragement. You've experienced comfort. You've experienced tenderness and compassion. You've experienced some sort of connectedness or common sharing with others. Paul's throwing his arms as wide open as he possibly can to include everybody. And for our sake today, you and I are included in this. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you experienced any encouragement, any comfort from his love. He says, look, all of you, all of you, Church of Philippians, he says this, then make my joy complete. My joy is not complete yet. What will make it complete is if you be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And, um, you can almost hear echoes of Jesus's prayer in John 17 when he's, he was praying for us. He was praying for his current disciples. And then he, he, he prayed for all of the people that would eventually hear the message and put their trust in him throughout the centuries. And he said, God, my prayer is that they would be one. Jesus prayed that for us. I pray that they would be one. Just as father, you and I are one. Would they experience that kind of connectedness, that kind of community, that kind of unity? Jesus prayed that before he went to the cross. And Paul is echoing that prayer. Look, with whatever you're about to face, whatever happens, that's coming. You need to be united. You need to be one mind. You need to be connected. That's going to be crucial. But Paul knew that one thing would have the potential to take away that oneness. One thing would have the potential to prevent them from being one in spirit and one in mind. That one thing was pride. Because this is what he says next. He says, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is pride right here. Selfish ambition when someone's just, they're very ambitious, but it's all about them. It's all for their gain. Vain conceit, that they're concerned or consumed with just how they look and how they come across in their world. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. But he doesn't just say this. He doesn't just say, don't be prideful. He gives us the solution as well. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, rather, the opposite of, or what you and I should do instead. And specifically for us today, uh, he's gonna tell us what will break pride in our lives. He says, rather in humility, which this is really interesting. Notice that he doesn't just say, hey, be humble. Just be humble, rather be humble. Don't, Don't do these things, but just be humble. No, humility is required, but it's not the answer. It's the first step but it's not the finish line. It's not the solution. In humility, it's part of the process. In humility, value others above yourselves. Humility sets it up. But the way we keep from fixing pride in our lives is valuing others above ourselves, not just value. Again, it's easy for even a very prideful person to go, oh no, yeah, I value other people. Yeah, I value them. Yeah, everybody's great. I value them. But to value others above yourself, myself, above ourselves. You see the antidote to pride, the antidote to pride is the high valuation of others. We should be humble and be as humble as you want. Be as humble as you can. Yes, that would be a good thing. But if you don't do this part, you can begin to fix pride in your life without even knowing it. And then Paul gets practical with his next verse. He he spells out what it looks like to value others, gets really specific, almost defines it for us. He says this, "Not, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You value them by looking after their interests, not just your own, but we're all gonna have to look after our own interests. We all need to eat. We need to live indoors. We need shelter, all those things. We need relationships. We have a job to do. We have uh, maybe a family to care for or friends to connect with and, and encourage. And you know, we kinda, we're gonna take care of our world. We'll have to focus on our interests some. But the way we break pride in our lives is by valuing others above ourselves. And the way we do that is by looking to the interests of others intentionally. I don't know what it would look like for you to um, not just look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think about for me as a, as a husband, this plays out in marriage. You know, How do I look to the interests of Kelly and what she has going on in her world? How do I serve her? How do I just have a posture of, hey, how can I help? How, as a father, can I look to the interests of my kids? Not just my own interests. Not just the, hey, man, I want to teach you how to do this football play and be really good and, you know, dominate out on the gridiron. You know, that might be my interest, but what, what are, I'm just kind of kidding, by the way. That's not like, I've got bigger interests than that, but, but what, what, what are their interests? How do I take an interest, what interests them? What is it for you? Who is it for you? Does somebody come to mind that you maybe could take more interest in? Maybe it's a coworker. And rather than bringing kind of your interest to the table only, you begin to dive into what interests them. Maybe it's a neighbor. And again, not just the ones we like. It's not just our kind. It's not just our people. It's much more challenging, but it's finding a way to take interest in the people that maybe even we don't care for too much in our life. Finding, finding a way to take interest in them. It's again, the natural thing is gonna be for us just to focus on us. Several years ago, I, I came across this um, principle or this idea. Uh, I was a part of a starting point leader training down at North Point and um, the guy that I was leading with brought this up to the the leaders that we were training, the the folks that were gonna go on to lead starting point groups for us. And he was saying, hey, this is really important to have this posture in starting point. But when he said it, I thought, hey, that that actually applies to all of life. That's That's not just a starting point thing. That's the way we need to be all the time. In fact, as followers of Jesus, that should be our posture all of the time in life. He essentially said, there's two postures we can have when we're interacting with someone else. It's either here I am, or there you are here i am or there you are here here i am says here i am and we and we focus on our stories and our interests we focus on what we want to get out of the conversation we can be here i am people or it can be there you are there you are and as we begin to engage with them we're curious we're curious about what's going on in their life. We're not just trying to tell about what's going on in our lives. It's like, hey, tell us what's going on with you. We care about what they're interested in. When they start telling that story about that thing and you begin to feel like you're, you're trailing off in that moment, it's like, nope, like there you are. There you are. And I know it's a, it's a bit of an oversimplification. It's not all of one or all of the other, but these really are the two postures that we can take with people. And I know it may sound a little bit silly to you today, but it's a great reminder. I know for me, it's been a great help. It reminds me to to place value and attention where it needs to be, not on me, but on others. And again, specifically those folks who may think differently than I do or or, uh, those folks that vote differently than we do. That's gonna be a big one this year, I think. People that are on the, other side of the coin when it comes to some certain issue or some certain belief or some certain lifestyle? How do we go to those people and say, hey, there you are. There you are. Not looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Who is it in your life? Again, maybe it could be an enemy. It could be somebody that you feel like they're against you. And you're like, Adam, there's no way I can take an interest in what they're interested in. I don't, like, I don't like what they're interested in at all. You know, I just, I, I, I can't, you know, I just can't agree with it. I can't, you know, I don't know what the talk track is. But if we're gonna live out Paul's charge, if we're gonna live out what he challenged the Philippians with 2,000 years ago and that through the scripture challenges us with today, if we're gonna live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, we've gotta do this. You gotta be there, you are people. Jesus said this when he was teaching. He said, hey, you've heard it said, love your friend and hate your enemy, but I tell you, but I tell you. He was always doing this. Hey, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the life of Christ. That's the good news of Jesus. And if we're going to live that out, in our lives, we've gotta be there, you are people. Even with the people that we like, at least. And again, this isn't about just getting life right. I mean, it'll help you if you live this way. It will, it will be a beneficial thing. But ultimately, as followers of Jesus, it's about living out the life that Jesus offers to us. Paul knew what pride would prevent He knew what pride would prevent in us. That it wouldn't just necessarily be an inconvenience. It would ultimately prevent us from living our lives out in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he knew the difficulty of it. He knew the challenge of it. He knew the circumstances that early believers were facing and how much harder that was gonna make it. And so he reaches back into the the life of Jesus encourage the Philippians when he says this next. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he he quotes this hymn. The, The scholars believe that this was a hymn that was sung in the early church. He says this, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus didn't say, here I am. He didn't show up and be like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus showed up and said, there you are. There you are. And we weren't in the best of places When Jesus showed up, we were lost without him. And specifically in your life, you think back to the moment that you put your faith in him. If you're a follower of Jesus, he showed up knocking on the door of your heart. And he said, there you are, there you are. There you are in the the midst of your sin, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of um, wandering away from faith, wandering away from church, in the midst of um, that season of life that, You regret now? He showed up. And he didn't say, here I am. He said, there you are. 2,000 years ago, he showed up and he didn't say, here I am. He said, there you are. I value you so much that I'm gonna go to the cross to die for your sin so that you would be forgiven, so that you can be redeemed. He wasn't grasping or holding on to his position. He was equal with God As Paul just said, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing because of his high value of us. It's what Jesus did for you and for me, it's what he modeled for us. So, as a church, let's be like Christ. Let's be there you are, people. Let's live with that posture whether we're with one person or five people or 10 people. let's live with the mindset of there you are. And again, even the people that are hardest to do that with, especially the people that it's hardest to do that with. The valuing of others. The valuing of others will be a hammer to your pride. When you... Value others above yourselves, you will break pride in your life. Use that hammer. Use that hammer. If you don't, your pride will become a hammer in your life. And you know what it will begin to break? It'll bre- begin to break relationships. It'll begin to break your influence. It'll begin to break potentially your career and it may not break it entirely, but it may affect it. It may undermine what you're trying to do. It may undermine what God's trying to do in your lives. It may undermine your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. Ultimately, if pride becomes that hammer in your life, It will break you. We'll pick it up there next week in part two of Better Broken. Let me pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for um, just the way that you love us. Um, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for being um, and having a a, there you are posture towards us. It's extraordinary. For those of us that have experienced it, it's life changing. Um, and, And for folks that are here today that have not experienced that, I just pray they would. I pray they would. And God, let that love that you showed to us be a model for us as we go throughout our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here, y'all.